0: What's going on, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now, or you can binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Trade Cast brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire, Bet Online, and the FFPC. We are in the middle of July. Training camps may be opening up soon, and we are joined by my lovely co host back in action this week, Dan Seno. How's it going, right, Dan?
0: It's going. It's, it's kind of become an on-again, off-again type deal with me. Uh, life is chaos with three kids, and even amidst the corona partial shutdown that we still kind of live in, things are, uh, things are a little crazy. It becomes difficult to entertain three young children, a wife, and a lovely dog who is accompanying me on the episode this week. Um, but I'm happy to be here as always. And
1: hopefully our guest today is also happy to be here. We have uh, our friend Joseph Namor. I hope I said that right now that I've said it out loud on the podcast. How's (laughs) it going, Joseph?
2: Uh, It's going good. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be on. And you did say it right. So uh, props to you.
1: There we go. Uh, Before we get into it, Joseph, uh, do you have anything you want to plug for our lovely listeners? Make sure that they get all the access to your hashtag content.
2: Um, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at JNamore24. I'm a writer over at DLF, um, focusing mostly on strategy and Devy content. So two totally different things there. Uh, but that's kind of what I like to write about. So find all my work at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and follow me on Twitter at JNamore24.
1: Well, quick quick question. Is just trading for all the Devy picks, is that a Devy strategy? Because <laughs> I, I think um, that's mine. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, let's get started. Uh, so today's topic is going to be undervalued players in bad offenses and overvalued players in good offenses. Or as we called it last, uh, last offseason, Yang Yin was the name of the podcast episode uh, last offseason. So Yang Yin, once again, undervalued players, bad offenses, overvalued players, good offenses, We're going to start off with Le'Veon Bell, certainly had an off year in 2019 after missing all the 2018 season with the Pittsburgh Steelers, signed with the Jets, Had, had a bad year with that whole bad New York Jets offense, and with that, he is now being drafted at the end of fifth round in nice startups at 58 overall, still 28 years old, so hasn't hit that 30 mark yet. And I put him on this list of undervalued players and bad offenses because, A, Jets still are perceived a bad offense. And I will somewhat stand on my Sam Darnold Hill that, you know, when I'm looking for undervalued players and bad offenses, yes, I'm looking for good players, but I'm also looking for offenses that could possibly turn from bad to good. And I still have some hope that Sam Darnold develops into a solid and quarterback, which would be a benefit for Le'Veon Bell. So I think that there is some hope that we see, you know, a portion of the On Bell we've seen in years past, but also that the Jets offense just gets better. Uh, Joseph, what are your thoughts on Bell going into 2020?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a three-down workhorse. He's a lock for a lot of volume, and he's cheap now. Pulling up DLF's July ADP, he looks like he's the RB23, kind of in a clump of running backs with a lot of questions. I think you could come up with a, a whole list of questions for guys like, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, David Montgomery, Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson, those are some of the guys around him. And I think Bell's path to volume is clear. And I don't know how sure his situation is beyond 2020. Uh, I think the Jets have kind of hinted that they want to get out of his contract, but he should at least be locked into a lot of volume for this year.
0: Yeah, no, no doubting that. I think they're gonna they're gonna get whatever they can out of him while they're paying them as much as they are. And obviously they do have the multi-year deal and, and lots of money to go. I I don't know what that contract looks like. I'm guessing they probably built in and out so they can get away from it. We'll see how all of that goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Le'Veon end of fifth and basically a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 based on ADP. I'll take that value every day of the week. And with Le'Veon, we'll actually get our FFPC stat attack of the week, Le'Veon's got over 1,900 touches in his NFL career. That seems like a lot. That's missing a year uh, of age 26 potential production. So we definitely would be over 2,000. We'd probably be in that like 2,500-ish range, uh, assuming health after this year. So there's definitely a lot of tread on those tires. But again, that is your FFPC Stat Attack of the Week. Make sure you head on over to FFPC.com. For all of your fantasy football league needs, whether it's dynasty, best ball, whatever you want to do, FFPC has you covered.
1: Excellent. And hopefully Le'Veon Bell has his owners covered uh, in the 2020 season. So let's go on to our next player that is an underrated or undervalued player in a bad offense. And it's Dwayne Haskins. One One thing that I I just mentioned is that with this, you're looking for guys who could develop into being in a good offense. And Dwayne Haskins, it's basically up to him whether the Washington offense becomes good or not. Yes, there's some weapons around him. Kelvin Harmon now out for the 2020 season. Uh, But Terry McLaurin is a a good wide receiver, and they have a bunch of developmental projects around him. Uh, So, yes, he does need weapons over the long term. But what decides whether Washington's a good offense is the success of Haskins more so than, you know, what's around him.
0: Yeah. And with Haskins, I mean, you go from the best of the best at Ohio state into just an absolute gong show. That is Washington football team named TBD. Uh, I mean, he didn't look really all that great last year, but there was signs, you know, there, there's plenty there. And with his value right now, I mean, there's really no risk at all. Uh, I'm he's basically what QB 28 30 something like that. At that value, I've got no problem taking that dive. He's a great get in super flex leagues because again, there's no risk and tons and tons of upside as they continue to build around him. Uh, I thought they'd make more moves to kind of shore up the uh quarterback position. They went and got Kyle Allen for basically nothing. That doesn't scare me. That's, you know, that's Ron Rivera going and getting someone he knows and can act as a serviceable backup. They saw that he could kind of make do in Carolina. Obviously, Carolina has uh, a few more decent players around the quarterback there. But uh, I think we'll see Washington kind of continue to build around Haskins. I, I think we see good strides made this year. I don't think we see him turn into that every week starter type in fantasy. But I definitely think in 2021, we could definitely start seeing him as a mid-QB2 type.
2: Yeah, I I like Haskins as well. He was actually pretty sneaky good towards the end of last season. I think over his last three starts, he threw five touchdowns, had just one interception, had like a 67% completion percentage, which all things considered, isn't too bad considering what that offensive line looked like and considering he pretty much only had Terry McLaurin to throw to, which... (laughs) To be fair, not much of that has actually changed. Their offensive line is still bad. They traded away Trent Williams, even though he didn't play. The only receiver that they added was Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty, who I like, but replacing Kelvin Harmon, who tore his ACL. So I think the situation is going to be pretty similar. Uh, What I like about Haskins is the price, like you mentioned, Dan, Uh, QB 28. He's almost free. Don't really think he's going to be much of a starter for fantasy purposes yet, although he could probably be a spot we, a spot starter for bye week fill-ins and stuff like that. And like Nathan mentioned, I think he has a very good chance to gain in value. Really, the only way I think he loses his job entering 2021 is if Washington's picking in like the top three, in which case Haskins probably didn't play well enough to keep his job anyway. Um, so I like him as a, an undervalued uh, player in a, in a bad offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I do think that that is the one worry with Haskins that he could, he could have like an okay year, but that team is so bad that they end up picking top three. And then they're like, well, like he was okay, but was he worth passing up Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields? That's a whole other decision. And so there's some risk long-term there, but it's such a minimal risk that, you know, not very often are you getting a a possible long-term option at QB 28 in Dynasty ADP, especially in the Superflex League. All right, let's go on to our next player, and it is one Alan Robinson of the Chicago Bears, who only has one year left on his DL, playing with Nick Foles and uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, So a pending free agent, and once again, in a bad offense in Chicago, uh, or maybe not. Uh, Joseph, what are your thoughts on on this quarterback situation in Chicago? Is it as bad as some might think?
2: Um, I don't think it can be worse than last year, so there's that. I mean, (laughs) I'm a Patriots fan. I saw Nick Foles get hot during that Super Bowl run. Um, I think Foles is passable. I don't think he's a great real-life or fantasy quarterback, but I think he's uh, more accurate than Mitchell Trubisky is and has been over the last couple years. Um, and Robinson finished as the wide receiver seven last year with horrendous quarterback play. So really, I don't think there's much room for his the quality of his targets to decrease, and... They didn't really do much in the draft and free agency to add players to that offense. I know they lost Taylor Gabriel. They added Cole Komet in the second round, Uh, but Robinson should still see massive volume. Um, He's still just 26. I think he turns 27 before the season, but this guy has played with the worst quarterbacks ever (laughs) through like the last going back to college, playing with Christian Hackenberg, then Blake Bortles, then Trubisky. Foles really can't be much of anything except um, even a minor upgrade. So I am in on
0: Robinson. Yeah, and it's weird to, I guess, call him undervalued. I think he always has that perception when you're going at after him in trades. And when you're looking at ADPs, wide receiver 14, which doesn't really seem crazy off to me. I know a lot of people probably think he's in that wide receiver one conversation. I, I think that's kind of just comfortable. I, I wouldn't say that, there's a, a lot to gain from where he currently stands. I, I think that's probably just about where he should be. And you just gain some upside with Foles because he isn't as bad as Trubisky. He isn't great, uh, but we've seen Joe Flacco put up decent, you know, help out wide receiver seasons and and add to some fantasy value even in the short term. So I think if Joe Flacco can do it, Nick Foles can probably do it. So. I, I do like a rob um these last two are both guys that I, I was kind of out on for a while because of the offenses they were in and the quarterbacks that were supposed to support them but alan robinson has just kind of continued to show out even with uh for a couple of years getting minimal usage and then just having atrocious quarterbacks when he when the targets are there man he, he produces for sure
1: Yeah, I've obviously been an A-Rob guy throughout and throughout even his bad quarterback days, which have been all of them. (laughs) But yeah, I I, I do have some hope that Freedency will bring uh, a nice quarterback uh, upgrade, whatever it may be. And I think that he sticks it out and he's a wide receiver too this year with the the QB play of of Nick Foles. So not, not terrible in the short term, but also even better in the long term, as he's still a very young guy as well. Next, we will go to uh, DJ Chark of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who, believe it or not, was on this list last year. <laughs> but certainly more expensive than he was last year. But I do still think he's being undervalued after what the numbers he put up as a sophomore. A lot of people are saying that you know Minshew is nothing more than a stopgap type guy, uh, but I, I don't think that really hurts DJ Chark's value. I, I think that he's the wide receiver one there, and Lavariska well, Chenault is not much of a threat to his targets.
0: Yeah, and and is probably the best quarterback that Jaguars have had since what Byron Leftwich. <laughs> I mean, it's it's been a while. So yeah, I, I feel like again, kind of like a Rob, he's about where he should be in that mid to late wide receiver two range. Um Really good sophomore season. See that that breakout year. That's so great to see in that second year. And obviously his rookie season, then he didn't really do anything. So we can't really even count that. So. Seeing a thousand-yard season on on you know about 120 targets is really nice. The touchdown production is there. Obviously, the usage in that type of offense when they're run heavy, uh, it's it's solid. You know they still have guys like D.D. Westbrook, and I think they brought back Keelan Cole. So not really a ton in the way of of a wide receiver one share. So you know it's still going to be Fournette on first, Fournette on second, Fournette on third. But they're finding enough time to pass, and Minchu is serviceable enough. Where I feel like, I feel like Chark, you know that that floor and the ceiling are pretty similar. Spot. I don't think there's a ton, ton of upside uh, based on where he's going. But I, I, again, I, I think the ADP isn't really correlate to actual trade value. I feel like you can get him for less than where he's being drafted.
2: Yeah, it feels like he's in the like Calvin Ridley, like Cortland Sutton tier in drafts and uh, I think that's probably where he belongs but I also think there's room for him to grow he's 23 years old I think most of the players around him are older Um, he showed that he could do it Uh, I mean he was a size speed freak coming out of LSU but he was really raw and he did nothing his rookie season like you guys mentioned Um, but then developed and broke out last year showed natural hands was a good route runner there's there are a lot of mouths to feed in the Jacksonville offense, but none of them are really particularly good besides LaVisca Chenault, who I like. But with a shortened or no offseason or whatever the COVID offseason looks like, um, I don't really know how much of a factor Chenault's going to be right away. And uh, Jay Gruden has mentioned that he wants to move DJ Chark all over the field and into the slot. And that's something that I like in terms of uh, Chark's potential development as a real life wide receiver. And I think that'll probably only help him in terms of getting advantageous matchups on the field. So at wide receiver 19, I would actually be buying, I think I have him ranked inside the top 15. Uh, I could move those guys around depending on the day, but I I like him as a buy at his current ADP.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things that he isn't really being priced at his ceiling, which often ends up being the case after a wide receiver breaks out, that there is still room to grow at that wide receiver 19 price. Now we'll close out our last of the undervalued players in bad offenses with Brashad Perriman. This is a guy, certainly if you said this guy would be undervalued 12 months ago, like (laughs) undervalued, like is his value zero? Um, Now he has some value, but maybe he should have a little bit more value as he signs his new deal with the New York Jets. Joseph, what are your thoughts on Perriman and his new offense?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, Perriman was actually Good last season. He showed flashes of what the Ravens saw in him when they took him in the first round back in 2015 or 16 or whatever it was. He's the wide receiver 71 right now. So, I mean, his price in drafts is really, really cheap. And I think the Jets' offensive situation, uh, like you kind of mentioned with the the Le'Veon Bell uh, discussion, is that Sam Darnold might actually be good. We don't really know. Um, He looked like he had some promise. His Uh, rookie season then last year he had mono came on stronger towards the end of the year but uh, they lost Robbie Anderson and I think at the very least Paramin can step into a downfield uh, like deep threat role and who knows um, whether it's going to be him or Mims playing mostly X receiver but I think Paramin is cheap enough that I would like to be buying to find out whether or not he can continue the momentum he showed towards the end of last season.
0: Yeah, of those two, I'd be certainly targeting Paraman if if I was, you know, forced to go after Mims or Paraman. I I'm avoiding Mims basically for Jets offense reasons and Sam Darnold reasons. I don't believe Sam Darnold is the future of the Jets. I don't think he's very good at all. I did see those flashes as a rookie. I understand he was sick but even as the season went on, and he got stronger. His game didn't really get stronger. And again, I understand you know, new systems and, and all of that. I don't think that that Darnold is a franchise quarterback. I think he's more along the lines of a career Nick Foles or you know a, a Gardner Minshew. You know, guys that can do it but aren't going to transcend offenses. And as bad as Adam Gase's offenses are. I I don't think that's going to really help him in his trajectory. So as far as as Perriman goes, I would really need to see a big step forward from Darnold this year. And Perriman going to need him to take a big step forward because I just feel like those that game doesn't doesn't mesh super, super well. Obviously, we saw Robbie Anderson do some nice things when he was on the field. So I, I think the potential is there. We need Perriman to stay healthy because that's something historically he hasn't been able to do. I think for the back half of last season, he was as healthy as he had been. And we did get to see those things that, like you mentioned, Joseph, that that Baltimore saw. And we saw his late rise coming out of college um, because he wasn't on anybody's radar until the last second. All of a sudden, he started making all these plays and having these monster games. Gets drafted early and then poof, he disappears. So uh, I still think that offense is going to run through Le'Veon first, then Jamison Crowder. And then we'll see which of the wide receivers, like you mentioned, plays X, plays Y, uh, and who's going to get, you know, kind of the, the lion's share of those outside, those outside touches. But I, I see honestly uh, of the wide receivers here, I think Jamison Crowder is probably the guy with the value that we want to be chasing because if anyone's going to fill that Adam Gase, Jarvis Landry role, it's probably going to be Jamison Crowder.
1: Yeah, I do like Crowder as well, uh, but I, I do think that the upside is in the play mm-hmm. of Brashad Perriman after, after them signing the deal, uh, and I think Mims is raw enough that we're not going to really see him on the field too much in, in 2020, especially with very little to no training camp. So uh, before we get into our players, you should not placing bets on their overvalued and good offenses. Let's hear about our friends over at Bet Online.
0: Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start than wagering with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bets to bet on, all available 24 7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice Is Right. Floyd talks about all of his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Yes, you heard that right. We got Floyd. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use your promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, to receive your new welcome bonus. Again, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.
1: What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now. On Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10-15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. All right, let's get into our overvalued players in good offenses. And we'll start with the the drum that I've been beating all offseason, which nobody really cares that I've been beating it. Blake (laughs) Jarwin of the Dallas Cowboys. People have uh, assumed him to get all of the Jason Witten targets, which would then put him as a tight end one. And I am saying not so fast, my friend. I don't think Blake Jarwin is very good. I think that they have now have three excellent wide receivers and an excellent running back out of the backfield that can catch passes. So I am seeing more of CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup getting those Jason Witten targets than I am Blake Jarwin. Uh, What are your thoughts on Blake Jarwin uh, going into the season, Joseph?
2: So. He's priced at tight end 20. I honestly think that's not egregious. Like you mentioned, uh, the corpse of Jason Witten was a back end tight end one last year. People always say that like they knew he was a tight end one, like they were using him in their lineups. No one used Jason Witten last year. (laughs) So, I mean, I think Jarwin will see a decent chunk of the targets. I mean, Cobb and Witten both had 83 last year. It is a pretty concentrated offense. I think it's pretty much just going to be... The three receivers you mentioned, uh, then Zeke, then Jarwin is probably the fifth target. And I don't think that's something you want to be counting on as a weekly starter in your lineup. So I think you could say this about literally any player in fantasy football. He's probably better in best ball, but Jarwin's not really someone I want to be trotting out as a weekly starter in my lineups. Um, I think his price is probably fine. I think he would see a decent uh, bump in target share if one of the three receivers were to get hurt. But other than that, I mean, there's guys around him that I'd probably rather have like Jay Sternberger and Chris Herndon, et cetera. And
1: I I will say there might be some difference in, you know, Twitter hype or trade value than there is that tight end 20 ADP, because I do feel like people are, you know, putting out the pieces that Blake Jarwin's going to be the tight end one that you need or things like that, like – I I don't think that the hype and the ADP is really matching up there, but maybe I'm just making stuff up. Maybe maybe no one actually cares about Blake Jarwin. <laughs>
0: you no, know, I mean I mean he, it was a hype piece on on Jarwin. Everything got kind of out of hand. It slowed down when they drafted CD, and uh, I think the issue was that it still remained a a topic. It was a quieter topic, but it was still a topic. Uh, a lot of people do have him in that you know kind of fringe tight end one, you know, late tight end one, tight end two, uh, early tight end two type, type spot. And I I just don't see that happening. Like Joseph said, I mean, tight end 20 isn't, isn't really a crazy number if we're looking strictly at the ADP, but I I think the verbal valuation or maybe written valuation is kind of where all of this went and and got a little crazy. Yeah. It's going to be the wide receivers and Zeke that, are, they're going to absolutely dominate every every bit of work. The Witten targets are all but gone. Those are going to belong to one of them, Mari, Seedy, or Michael Gallup. Uh, I still think they involve Zeke in the passing game as well. See if the other backs get some work. Maybe Tony Pollard uh, absorbs a little bit of that. But uh, I do feel like the tight end position will essentially become a blocker. The line is still great, but it's not what it probably had been. Uh, a lot of injuries up and down the line. Guys retiring. So I think we'll see Jarwin probably act more as an extra lineman for the most part than an actual uh pass catching tight end, even though I do think he does have the ability to be a decent tight end, kind of that low end tight end one, uh, as far as, you know, where he is and, and his actual ability. But yeah, w- with those three wide receivers, unless they trade one, or like Joseph said, if one of them gets hurt, I, I just don't see a way for him to really be productive. He's definitely not going to be an every week starter. Um Best case scenario, he's your like, Back up or third string in a best ball.
1: Next, we will go to Clyde Edwards-Elaire, the player who received the most bump from the offense he was drafted to, drafted the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously the best offense in the NFL with Patrick Mahomes. My hesitance here from a, a, you know, a short-term dynasty perspective is that I do still think the chiefs are going to involve Damian Williams and Clyde Edwards, Lair being drafted around the two, three turn of redraft and being drafted as a top 15, top 20 dynasty pick. Both of those things say that Clyde Edwards, Lair is an RB one this year. And I'm not sure we can put that quite into, you know, stone right now. I do think that he has to battle for that role early on. And I, I I think they're going to continue to give touches to Damian Williams to eat into the possible value of Clyde edwards alaire
0: Yeah, short term is going to be a struggle for sure. I think his valuation is assumed for 2021 and beyond. It, my issue is is that when you look at the landscape of running back right now. I mean, it's it's honestly as strong as it's ever been. I like Clyde edwards alaire Obviously, he has an amazing landing spot. But how can his value get any better than? where it currently is and with the landscape none of these guys are old all of these running backs are still have two legs to stand on and um you know it it would take i mean it's going to take a legitimate top five output this year for his value to get where people think it's going to go and to make this current rb9 valuation not look stupid i think it is going to look stupid at the end of the year i think he'll slide into that probably early rb2 mid rb2 range uh as the year goes on and into the off season just because i mean he's going to be in a timeshare at best he's not going to dominate unless the entire you know running back group gets hurt that's the only way he slides into a full workhorse role and even then i still think you know they he, he's a rookie we'll see him get get mixed in with somebody they'll bring somebody else in if they have to but yeah i mean it's an Andy reed potential running back and patrick mullins is there and that offense is is going to be You know unstoppable i just don't see how you can put him at rb9 and and get any money on top you know you're not you're not making anything off of this you're getting him at a ceiling
2: yeah i mean i don't really have too much of a problem with his price right now just because i don't think he's really going to dip in value that much over the next year i mean people know that i mean he's a first round pick first round running backs typically have pretty insulated value from a dynasty perspective Damian Williams is an unrestricted free agent after this year. And I I agree with you guys on the 2020 outlook that, I mean, from a 2020 perspective, CEH is probably priced at a ceiling because I don't think he's going to be the RB9 or better this year. I think he's probably a low-end RB2 uh, with some spike weeks. But I think Williams is probably the player that gets most of the work near the goal line. Williams is better in pass protection. So I think those things may take CEH off the field in some instances. But 2021 and on um, with Mahomes and his 10-year, half-billion-dollar contract is where I think CEH's value is really priced right now. At RB9, Nick Chubb is right in front of him. I think Nick Chubb is miles better as a actual running back. But I think uh, I'd probably rather have CEH if you look from 2021 and beyond. So I think from that perspective, his value is fair. But I agree with you guys on the outlook for this year for sure.
1: And we'll move on to another rookie running back who fell into a good spot, at least. But depending on who you talk to, because I feel like the Twitter sphere has been a buzz about Ronald Jones lately, about him not being as bad as we once thought, and so that maybe Keshawn Vaughn isn't in the perfect scenario as he goes into the Buccaneers offense. So, Joseph, what are your thoughts on him being an overvalued player in a good offense?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think Vaughn is fine. I think he gets what, what's blocked. He's explosive when he has a lane in front of him. He's adequate in pass protection, which Ronald Jones is not. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield, although he's not really much of a threat. But really all of that is basically to say that I think he's fine. I don't really think he's um, anything special. And I kind of feel similarly about Ronald Jones. I don't, so I mean, To be fair, Jones is the one with familiarity with the offense and the coaching staff, whether that's a good or bad thing. I don't know. Arians seems like he hates him sometimes. I just, I'm not sold on Vaughn. When he was a late first round rookie pick, I thought that was egregious. I think his price has fallen a little bit since, Um, but basically my entire Keyshawn Vaughn is overvalued argument is centered around the fact that I think he's a replaceable talent and... Tom Brady is very particular about what he wants his running backs to do in terms of protection and um, dependability. And if Vaughn doesn't turn out to be that for him, I don't know how how much he'll, dynasty value he'll hold either this year or beyond. So um, he's not really a player I'm targeting in startup drafts, wasn't a rookie draft target for me, and he's kind of just someone I'm avoiding
0: yeah i think the big on for one of the big things for me is is the tom brady factor and and whether tom is is into kishan vonner or if he's a ronald jones guy because you know you know arians is going to let tom do whatever tom wants to do right that's his offense that's his team it is what it is when you get tom brady that's what happens obviously when you have bill belichick it's a little bit different because it's a bill belichick um so you know i think I think everyone that's ever listened knows that I'm, I'm more of a Ronald Jones guy. I yelled at everyone for taking, <laughs> taking Vaughn or, or even considering him in the first. And I also shamed some, some loud voices calling him like the RB1 or top three RB or anything like that in this class. It, you know, he, he's a backup running back to me, he's, he's a role player. The only thing, and Joseph mentioned it, the only thing he has on Ronald Jones that he's he's probably better or maybe just as good as, but I mean, he's, he's better, is pass blocking. That's it. Pass pro is it. Everything else, when you compare these two games, give me Ronald Jones. He's a better player.
1: Yep, that is certainly fair. Now let's go to our next player, and it is Kenyon Drake of the Arizona Cardinals uh obviously he got traded to the cardinals last off i mean last season and now the cardinals are the hype team of 2020 even more so than they were in 2019 when they had hired cliff kingsbury and and drafted kyler murray now it's like okay they they have kyler murray they have deandre hopkins they have this emerging offense with Kenyon drake i will say that out of the three backs in this offense, he's the one I want the least at his price. Yes, that's easy to say because the other two are much cheaper. But I think that Chase Edmonds has legitimate NFL RB1 ability. And I think that Eno Benjamin is not a terrible
0: stash. Excuse me? What did you just say? Say that sentence again. I am going to come to Virginia or wherever <laughs> the hell you live and slap that look off your face.
1: Which one? The Edmonds or Eno Benjamin? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no the is does not have a bell cow ability okay sure <laughs> no nathan you take that back right this minute
1: he looked good in, in his in his spurts where he had to play because of injuries and stuff and then he got hurt so
0: anything go? anything's gonna look better than dead leg david johnson that's <laughs> true I mean, I get it. I do. There's there's a lot of hype. You know, we we've seen this time and time again. Super offenses, super teams, and all of a sudden, kaput. They've got nothing to show for it. Look at what Cleveland did last year. Everybody was supposed to have monster years. They had fine years, but everyone was supposed to be the top of their position. We were supposed to have Odell and Jarvis running one two. Nick Chubb was supposed to be the RB one. Baker Mayfield was supposed to be the QB one. It, you know, it, it doesn't always work out that way. However. Arizona with Kyler who I thought looked quite good last year not great but he was a rookie made his mistakes he's going to continue to look better and better assuming he can stay healthy because that's our worry because he's so small but they build around that offense you've got a wide receiver room with DeAndre Hopkins now Hall of to be Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald Christian Kirk you've got Kenny and Drake you do have Edmonds who is a Nice RB. I'm not going to say he's a bell cow running back. I didn't.
1: Really. No, no, hold on. Rewind the tape. Nowhere on this planet did I say bell cow. I said that he has NFL RB1 ability. You he know who has NFL RB1 ability? Damian Williams.
0: <laughs> sure, but Kenny and Drake actually does. And Eno Benjamin doesn't. Again, role player.
1: No, I didn't um, say he did at all. <laughs> no, no, no I,
0: I, no. I understand that. Kenny and Drake's only 26, though. And we knew he could play when he was drafted, this is your guy. I don't know how you're shaming him right now. This is your guy. Don't you I, remember I, I don't like seven I, I, years I, I, I'm ago? I was trying you... to spit
1: it. Joe put him on the list. So I...
0: <laughs> I will say at RB16, I'm on board. I don't think he's overvalued. I think similarly to Jarwin, it's the hype pieces. People are, are pushing RB1 numbers on you. I don't think he's being valued that way. I I don't think you're able to get RB1 return for him when you're trying to trade him away, and I don't think you have to pay RB1 prices to get him when you're buying him. ADP has him at RB16. I think you can probably get him even, to be completely honest, lower than that unless the owner that has him is one that's buying into the hype. If you're buying into the hype, which you very well could be because this offense has a chance to be very good, it could turn into a Cleveland disaster, but it has a chance to be very good. So th- that's all I'm saying. Let's not talk about Chase Edmonds anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear a, more about what Joseph has to say about Kenny Drake, though.
2: Okay, so I was the one that put him on the list. I could look really <laughs> bad in a year from now um, if this blows up in my face. It certainly wouldn't be the uh, first time, probably won't be the last time. So I, where I'm at with Drake, I think he's a really talented running back. But there's always been something... Weird with him. Like, I know he played in an absolutely loaded running back room at Alabama, but never had more than 106 touches in a season in college, has never had more than 170 carries in an NFL season. I feel like there's always something that keeps his coaches from playing him as a full time workhorse. And the thing that really gives me pause with Drake at his current ADP is that he's playing under the transition tag in Arizona, and we don't know if he's going to get an extension there. So It feels like the value may just fall out from underneath him at his current ADP of RB16. The two guys right behind him are DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers. I'd rather have both. Uh, I agree with you guys. I think Drake is going to smash this year as long as he stays healthy. Kyler, being a mobile quarterback, opens up running lanes for the runners. Offensive line was bad last year. Running back still did well. They improved this season. They drafted an offensive tackle in the first round. Second round? Early. Early. Um so I think Drake is probably priced fairly, but my worry with him is that um he's on the last year of his deal, doesn't have an extension yet, and Chase Edmonds has NFL RB1 ability right oh behind him. Oh so
0: I'm uh, gonna remove you from this call, you're
2: out of here. <laughs> I will I just, say I
1: feel like I got yeah. thrown under the bus there, but you know, anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, can you Drake all the way, guys? Uh RB1
0: twenty twenty. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let let's just let's wrap up. We can wrap up with Kenyon Drake because this he's he's polarizing for sure, right? He he's got the talent to potentially be an you know an RB one, an actual star. He's he's got it. There are some quirks we don't know. Again, like Joseph said, with Alabama, there was like five guys in that room that are NFL players. Now you've got Adam Gase offenses. Don't use them. We saw the same crap with Lamar Miller. Miami doesn't really have their stuff figured out. We saw saw Lamar Miller become a really nice fantasy asset once he moved on. And, you know, it's it's easy to compare those two. But let's – so the way I'm thinking with Kenyon Drake is, at his current price, pretty fine. If if we have to figure out a way to value an RB1 season, one RB1 season, how much dynasty value does that get you? So right now – I think he's going to be probably a top 10 running back. If I can get him at RB16 prices and I can sell him for RB10 prices after week four, after he's smashed for a month, now we're gaining value. That's how I'm looking at Kenyon Drake. I'm looking at him as like a day trade. That's what we're doing here. We're, this isn't a long term playability. I know Dynasty is a long term outlook. I think Kenyon Drake is one of those guys where his value today isn't super crazy as long as you're not expecting him to be on your team at the end of the season, get him now, sell him after he smashes.
1: Yeah, that, that's certainly a viable play, but then you run the risk of what happened with Cleveland. We are like, okay, let's buy all these pieces up. And then if the, off- the offense doesn't perform, that's when things could backfire. Uh, I'll be back to being a Canyon Drake truther uh, next week. Don't worry about it guys. Uh, so <laughs> brief,
0: that's okay. Brief I, filled in. It, I filled in for you.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I will say, uh, guys that are being drafted after King drink that I prefer over him, down Swift, Cam Akers, and probably Kareem hunt. And then, but that's really it. (laughs) So I'd move them down like three spots, but, 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 uh, let's see, let's wrap up the show for today. Once again, uh, Joe, thanks so much for coming on the show. And, uh, we really appreciate your insights. Uh, any last words before we head out?
2: No, I, I had fun. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, always good to talk dynasty with two guys that I sometimes agree with and sometimes don't agree with. <laughs> um, so I, I had fun here. Um, just to plug my stuff real quick, I'm on Twitter as Jay Namore24, and you can find all my work over at dynastyleaguefootball.com.
0: And Dan, uh, uh, any last words before we? No, no. I oh. just I was gonna keep. Pushing people towards Joseph's Twitter. I mean, you're all of the stuff he posts is genuinely interesting. I enjoy just about everything. Plus, you're getting all of the tags to all of your all of your articles and stuff at DLF Uh, makes life really easy. Yeah, I, I I mean, Joseph's a good follow. Make sure you follow him. You're criminally underfollowed for sure. He's got 1,700. If you're listening to this, go follow him right now. Let's get him to 2K. Before the end of the week, how's that sound?
1: Okay, Dan, this is true, but you forget we have more listeners than we have followers. So, th- sure. this is the real question: Dice Tree has listeners. Who is listening to this podcast and not following Dan and I on Twitter? <laughs> it
0: doesn't matter. Go follow Joseph. I don't care about us. I could care less about my followers. He's got he only has seventeen hundred. That's stupid. He should have way more than that. <laughs>
1: This is true. All right. That's your wrap of the show. Follow us all on Twitter uh, at JNamore24, at AmpelFF, at FF9STN. Follow us all. Oh, and at Dino Tradecast, which we never tweet from anyways. Don't
0: follow that one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have that. I can't have – see, I don't care about my follower account, but if that account has more followers than me, I'm quitting. That's it.
1: <laughs> That'll do it. All right. That wraps up for this week. We'll see you guys next week. Kudos.